Welcome to Super House. I am, once again, the man who knows too much about Batman, Ben Juan, and I'm here with... Wolfie, yeah, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and Wolfie's in podcast jail right now. <laughs> he has his mic, or whatever, something stopped working, his computer. So anyway, yeah, this is Andrew, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I live in a world of Indeed, and uh, here we go. The Super House lives in a world of Indeed. <laughs> and in this world of Indeed, we are going to take a uh, special break from the usual deep dives into Batman movies and talk about... My voice just went nasally real quick. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk, talk about, about movies and when my nerd we're is coming nerds. out. Uh, so we're <laughs> going to talk about... <laughs> We're going to talk about the origins of Batman, but not the way that you think. Not the origins of the character and how he became Batman, or necessarily how Bob Kane and Bill Finger came up with the Batman, but where exactly does a lot of the traits of Batman come from? Because we've talked about on this podcast the Batman Bill documentary on Hulu. Please check it out if you haven't seen it, as well as our own uh, episodes in the past. If you look in the uh, look in the backlog of our interviews with Bill Finger's uh, granddaughter, Athena, and uh, as well as our latest episode, our latest video episode, The Return of Batman by Bob Kane, and how Bob Kane is pretty much the guy who came up with the concept of Batman, and that was it, and everything else was by Bill Finger. <laughs> right. 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 So, as much as I have respect for Bill Finger and what he gave to it, as well as, you know, all our love to our, our friend of Superhouse, Athena, Bill Finger's hands aren't exactly clean either. So oh, wow. We're, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. We're going to have to... <laughs> so, buckle up, folks, because this is about stuff that you probably weren't ready to know, but stuff that is all true. <laughs> Please make it gentle. Yes. Make it gentle for me, man. So, we're going to talk about a hero who you might have heard of, may have seen a little bit of it, but uh, he's called The Shadow. And he was created in 1930 because a radio series needed a narrator. There was a show called Detective Story Hour, and uh, the it's kind of like Tales of the Crypt, where there's like a crypt keeper who talks about horror stuff, except it was for like crime drama. Okay. So like we need some sort of narrator who can talk about how crime doesn't pay and everything. And a writer named Harry Charlotte came up with the name of The Shadow. Okay. And so James Licurto was what the first What year are we Shadow, talking here? 1930. Okay. All right. Now, keep in mind, Batman was created in 1939. Sweet, nine years before. Nine years before. But the bat. Right, all he is right now is a narrator. Okay. He's just a narrator talking about, uh, you know, crime doesn't pay and talking about crime shows and everything. And later on, Licurto was replaced by Frank Reddick Jr., who's probably the most famous one to do the laugh. In fact, you have heard him, because we put that in the very beginning of this episode, saying the famous <laughs> line, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. Which is the famous catchphrase that Shadow line, says. Man. Yeah. So later on It's almost as good as Seduction of the Innocent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> reference Call to back. our reference to our Batwoman episode. Please check that out. I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a year later in nineteen thirty one, they're like, let's actually make adventures of this character. He's this narrator, but oh, who yeah. is he? So they turn to a writer named Walter B. Gibson. And he writes this tale called The Living Shadow, and his idea is the shadow is a crime fighting vigilante. Now, ironically, in The Shadow's history, even though Harley Charlotte came up with the name of The Shadow, Walter Gibson is considered to be the true creator of The Shadow across all platforms because he came up with all the things that make The Shadow The Shadow. Kind of the opposite of Batman, where the guy who got credited in the end was the guy who just came up with the general name and concept, and the writer who came up with all the stuff that we know about Batman was forgotten. 
So his character was a bit of a Sherlock Holmes mixed with Dracula. He would be just as brilliant of a detective as Sherlock Holmes, but would have mm. um, kind of the Dracula qualities of striking detective fear. Detective and Dracula-like. Yes. There was a mystical aspect to the character. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was... Um, he was almost vampiric in nature. He would strike fear into the hearts of criminals because they never knew when he was coming. He was almost invisible in a way. And uh, some of his movements were described in the prose as bat-like, kind of like Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, where Dracula crawling up the, the walls and everything was described as bat-like and literally transforming himself into a bat. So the shadow's ah. true identity. Uh, <laughs> did he did he live in a place like Gotham? <laughs> like, or was it in, just New York? It was New York City. Okay, yeah. It was New York yeah. City, and um, it was believed in the beginning that his true identity was Lamont Cranston, a billionaire playboy okay. who lives in a big mansion with his <laughs> butler, Richards. Oh, my God. However, it was then revealed that... Fucking runaway <laughs> robber, highway robbery over here. But here's what's interesting that's not in the Batman, uh, is that Cranston turned out to be a real, a different person. Okay. That the shadow took his identity and used him okay. as disguised and used his funds in order to fuel his war on crime. And the real Lamont Cranston was a guy who traveled a lot, let the shadow take his identity okay. in the time because he was barely at home anyway, and uh, was kind of one of his agents. And so it was later revealed that he, the shadow's true identity was an ace fighter pilot from World War One named Kent Allard, uh, or the Black Eagle, who was believed to be dead. Um, having crash landed, but you know maybe it's just another alias too in Lamont Cranston. It's, it's, Any it's, part it's of that identity. influence Green Lantern? Uh, not really. Okay. Not, not not that I know of. Okay, it's uh, he was based off the real life person of Percy Fawcett, who is known okay. for uh, the Lost City of Z. If you okay. remember that, yeah. that was a movie adaptation where uh, Charlie Hunnam played uh, Percy Fawcett, and also co-starring Robert Pattinson. So, oh my God! Anyway, uh, the sh- yes, the police uh, <laughs> were a big part of these stories. The shadow often turned to Inspector Joe Cardona and Police Commissioner Ralph Weston was his main um, was the main police person in all a lot of these stories. So the police commissioner played a vital role in these and was often friends with Lamont Cranston. Okay, both the real one and the fake one because he couldn't tell either one of them one of them apart. Okay, uh, he was not just a master of detective, but he was also a master of disguise. In the first story, it's revealed that one of his disguises is a criminal on the streets to kind of get, like, intel on the other criminals. They don't really English do Johnny. a disguise thing that much in Batman, right? Not as much, but they do with Matches Malone. Yeah, right? And I'd okay. like to think that this this version of The Shadow with his character of English Johnny was like a precursor to that. Okay. To Matches Malone and everything. Right, right, right. So, uh, this is very, so far, like, okay, very superficial stuff, but some moments of The Shadow... Uh, made it literally into it. So if uh, Wolfie <laughs> oh my God. holds up, All please right. hold up this to the camera. Uh, no, the actually the back part, back part. This part with the guns. Oh shit! He's got a he's got a nose like mine, like pretty big. Yep. Yeah. And here's what I got. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so we're gonna put this together on the uh... yeah that's yeah. amazing and if you're uh, listening to this on Spotify or whatever please check us out on YouTube to see these in person or yeah, like on the video thing going. video podcast yeah yeah so yeah uh, who was was that face modeled after like an actor at that time or something like, um, one of the I'm not sure uh, he's the hawk no pictures <laughs> that ain't no comic there are book. some there are some pictures it ain't a comic book it's a pulp but it does have it has stuff like this 
uh, oh, yeah. of illustrations every now and then. How am I supposed to derive depth of character and narrative through <laughs> just one single picture? <laughs> That's how it was like at the time. Gobbledygook. <laughs> but uh, Bob Kane actually has a quote about that image I just showed you of Batman with the gun saying, quote, we didn't think anything was wrong with Batman carrying a gun because the shadow used one. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was Whitney Ellsworth, the DC. Fuck bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't really like have that whole gun part of the. This is still no, so early it was, on. It was because of uh, DC editor Whitney Ellsworth that he's like, no, you can't. These are superheroes. There needs to be a no killing rule, no guns. Right. So it's because of DC uh, mandate. Yeah. And right. Ellsworth was also the guy who said, "Hey, that Joker character you killed off at the end, of Batman number one, keep him alive." Oh, so we okay. have Ellsworth to thank for a lot of I don't have stuff. The ability to resurrect the dead. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sometimes, obviously, superheroes have different nicknames. Okay. Doc Savage, who's a different pulp character, had the Man of Bronze. Right. The Shadows was the Knight of Darkness. Knight okay. of the so pretty different from Cape Crusader, I guess. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, no connection but Dark to any Knight. other. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Oops. Uh, Sorry, I fucked that one up. <laughs> I was trying to play like benefit of the doubt over here, but it's just not working out no. for me. <laughs> Uh, so That's a tough game. Yeah, it's, t- it's a tough one. It's tough. It's going to get yeah. tougher soon. Uh, oh, here we one, go. One of here we go. the Shadows vehicles was a, I think it's pronounced a gyro, an auto gyro. It's spectral black auto gyro. It's like a precursor to like a helicopter. Not type gyro. Of thing. Gyro or something like that. Gyro. Or maybe it's a gyro, yeah. And uh, that's in Detective Comics number 31, the first vehicle, bat-like vehicle that Batman drove or okay. piloted was the bat gyro. Okay. So, oh yeah, it's like a uh, copter kind of thing. Yes, yeah. uh, and then later on, uh, the shadow came up with a you know he had certain gadgets that were on him. So Walter Gibson talks about this. He says, "quote I got that idea, got this idea while I was staying at the hotel Shelton on the twentieth floor. The Belmont Plaza, which was about twelve stories high, was across the way, and it had ornaments and a sort of penthouse effect. That was where I got the idea that a boomerang could be thrown around and so forth." And so he came up with the shadow using a boomerang as what? as a weapon. Here we go. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And they made Captain Boomerang. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, of course. That's what it's influenced on. Um, the, there's only one instance, really, that I could find of the shadow cribbing from Batman. And it's when, in the comics, in three shadow comics they said why don't we give shadow a sidekick so shadow had shadow junior for oh, like three issues God. and that was it but that was, the, that was it but uh overall as we get deeper and deeper into this one of the big things is that bill finger confessed in detective comics number 27 the very first batman story he says quote i was very much influenced by the shadow i patterned my style of writing batman after the shadow my first script was a takeoff of a shadow story bill finger says this bill finger actually yeah. admitted to it and yeah. i have a copy of that story it's called partners in peril partners of peril oh my god it was written in 1937 two years before batman and it was written by a writer named theodore tinsley and in the beginning lamont cranston billionaire playboy is with uh, commissioner weston when they hear about a murder and business associates of a corporation are getting bumped off okay so the shadow investigates there's a rooftop fight he discovers one of the associates is the one who's been killing the other people off okay so they can take over uh there's a confrontation in a chemical factory and the shadow eliminates the real killer saves the hostage and that's the end um and then two years later bill finger would write the case of the chem- chem- chemical crime syndicate where billionaire playboy bruce wayne is with his friend commissioner gordon where they hear about uh, you know a murder happening and business associates of a corporation are getting bumped off and so batman investigates and there's a rooftop fight and discovers that one of the associates has been killing the others off so he can take over and there's a confrontation a chemical factory and the same shit so uh let me show you the death trap that was at the end of partners of peril here's that so it's like this big dome thing 
right? And here is the death trap that's in the climax of Detective Comics number 27. It's oh this big God. dome thing right here. Man, that's ridiculous. So, as we would see, a lot of the different shadow stories would be an influence on the Batman stories coming up. So, uh, Anthony Tolan, uh, or Tolan, sorry if I mispronounce your name, but if you're out there, Mr. Tolan, please, uh, you know, contact us. And also, because... you are very old, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, he Extremely knows a lot. Extremely of... <laughs> old. But uh, he was... But please contact <laughs> he, us. He's... I figured out this pod something. <laughs> well, he's not the one who wrote this. Remember, Theodore Tinsley is the one who wrote this. I bring up Tolan because he's kind of the guy who is responsible for these reprints. Oh, the reprints. I he's thought you were talking about some motherfucker yeah. that was 20 in 1930. No, 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 like, no. Oh, my God. No, I don't know, I don't know his age, but he's the one responsible for this and puts together a lot of articles in between okay. sort of analyzing and so he brought up a lot of other connections that he saw okay. so at one point the shadow smuggled himself into an ancient mummy case uh which is the same gimmick that a villain used in the 1950 batman story the 1001 trophies of the Batcave. uh key elements from a story serpents of siva uh became uh the story ruby idol also by bill finger um the devil's master which uh you can see kind of the cover of it over here is the shadow on top of a giant typewriter, which, if we remember, in the oh like 40s God. and 50s was a big thing. Batman, giant props, giant typewriters, and everything like that. That even played a role in the Tom Mankiewicz Batman script that we talked about right. in that deep dive. Uh, let's see. The This is ridiculous. Wait, so is the shadow base of anything before? <laughs> like Pretty much it, just the crib? Sherlock Holmes and Dracula, Dracula basically. Okay. I mean... The, the, there was the general idea uh, by the Baroness Orcsi in the late 1800s and early 1900s of the Scarlet Pimpernel where there's like this rich guy who pretends he's just like this oh, yeah, that's this true. weird rich guy. You can't but trace it back to that, huh? You can tra trace it back to that, but he didn't yeah. have a disguise. And then yeah, right. came Zorro in around 1919 right. where he also passed himself as a rich guy, but he also had a disguise with like the black cape and everything. Right. He had an underground cave. He had a servant. The movie version had a grandfather clock where you would enter the cave as oh well. So I was going to get into that later, but I might as well say that now. So uh, <laughs> this character became so popular between 1931 and 1936 that they said, let's do an adaptation. Uh, let's do a radio series. Radio serials, yeah. So yeah, they yeah, decided yeah. to do a radio series. They changed some elements. Uh, they did say... <laughs> they always do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> to make it more God. simple. So in the... They're going to work in radio? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. in the story... It's going to be astronomical. In the stories, <laughs> the Shadow has a whole bunch of agents who work for him who are all these men. There's like a reporter. There's... Um, other people who used to be criminals and everything. But they decided, well, obviously we're going to have the Shadow... But let's make one of his agents a woman, and she's the main agent, so that there's okay. contrast rather than just two guys talking it out through the whole Shadow thing. Shadow girl. Yeah. Uh, well, no. Her name is Margot Lane. Shadow woman. Her name is Margot Lane. Martha Lane. Margot. Martha. <laughs> Martha. Margot. Again. Again with the Martha. Mar Margot. Margot. Oh, my God. Uh, it's Margot Lane, which is interesting because there's a fan theory that Margot Lane and Lois Lane are sisters. Oh, shit, that'd be cool. Um, that'd be like cool. Now, superhero gossiping you too, sister. Keep in mind that the Shadow's supposed name of that explorer was Kent. Oh, my God. And Doc Savage's real name was Clark. So right. you can see where things are going with this. Um, incestuous. <laughs> yes, very incestuous. Absolutely we incestuous. We can't think of our own original material. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the Shadow... Did DC buy out the Shadow, by the way? They own it? I don't think they own it, but there have been crossovers, and I'll talk about that a oh, little later. actually, yeah, it's like... Not Image, but it's the the fourth one after Image, I think, that owns it. Anyway. Something yeah. like that, yeah. 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 But uh, the radio series also added the backstory saying that uh, he 
trained all over the world uh, across in the, the quote unquote the Orient, Asia, studied science, criminology, the League all those types. People that are the shadow, but not me. <laughs> he doesn't specify. He doesn't specify. Uh, but because it was radio, they decided our gimmick is that he has the ability to quote unquote cloud men's minds, so they cannot see him. So okay. this were the radio version of the shadow was invisible. So this is a callback to Bob Kane's fucking uh, watch. <laughs> Hypn- <of> the- <laughs> hypnotizing. Yes. Hypnotizing. Yeah. Like searching for somebody who's breaking into the warehouse, and then all of a sudden they're like, "I was." gonna do something <laughs> no i mean he would just make them think that he wasn't there he would just right. be a voice a disembodied right. voice and they wouldn't know where he was and everything and and it was the idea that you could never see him all right yeah yeah that's cool uh one of the first actors to voice this version of the shadow because there was the guys there were the guys who did the narration right the one of the first guys who played the dramatized version version of the shadow was a 22 year old actor named orson wells Oh shit! Is, I know that name. Before Citizen he was Unicron. Kane. Wait, was he related to the famous film director? <laughs> yeah, he was the famous <laughs> film director. Yeah. Oh shit! This My was camera. two years before he goes on the radio to do the War of the Worlds. Remember, he did oh, that yeah, whole. Yeah, that was famous. Huh? This is before he did that. This is how he got to start, and this is four years before Citizen Kane. Jesus. So this is how he got to start was doing the voice of the Shadow, and there oh, were a lot yeah, of okay. different stories that they did. That sort of for Shadow, that Anthony Tallman, again, that historian for the, the Shadow, who's responsible for these reprints. Um, there was a there was a episode called The Man Who Was Death about a guy who gets uh, exposed to radiation uh, but survives and can kill people just being around them with his touch, with radiation. Cool. And then years later, Batman had Professor Radium, who gets caught in an experiment with radiation and can just oh, touch man. people and kill people <laughs> with the radiation. Nice. Let's fan cast him later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Professor Radium. Professor Radium. No one's ever done that before. <laughs> so, Probably not anymore. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, we're going to break in a bit. But before we do that, I want to... Uh, I want to play a little bit of a snippet of the radio series of... Um, from this episode here. And Fresh reacts, yeah. y'all. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European. Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, 
you'll receive a Superhouse discount. And welcome back. So we left off talking about supervillains, and let's just get right into it. Where yeah, did supervillains even come from? Because for a while... Heck, I don't know, Ben. They came up with... Well, this is why we're talking about it. Uh, for a while... Gee willikers. They came up with these heroes, but if you think about like Zoro just had... He was fighting lieutenants. Scarlet Pimpernel was just fighting other people in the French Revolution. Dummies. The Shadow was just fighting other criminals. <laughs> and at one point, it was just wearing thin, especially... You know, given the fact that you had these very outlandish characters fighting these pretty normal guys, right? That's true. So, at one point, Walter Gibson, uh, the guy who created The Shadow, says, I was six months ahead and began worrying about the stories. Everybody began imitating The Shadow, and they were thinking the sales were going down. They were in a tight spot. Somebody says, can't we change the angle of the stories? There was a trend coming to have the stories break apart instead of build up. They would So, instead, they would already be built and it was sort of a different technique. And so he would start building up stories and creating several stories of villains who would cross over. And the only types okay. of villains who would survive the Shadow's Wrath would be extraordinary villains. Ones who would be able to keep up with him because they were kind of outlandish Is that themselves. the word they use, extraordinary villain? Well, no. I mean, he doesn't He doesn't okay. call them that. He just says... I mean, it he seems just like describes... that would be the name for it before Supervillain <laughs> right. came, came about. You Probably. Know? I mean, Exceptional he... Exceptional criminal. Gibson says <laughs> this represented... He says this represented the second stage in the development of the Shadow, an expansive period during which he encountered a variety of supervillains in a series of fantastic situations involving battles to the bitter end. Okay. So one of the most notable is uh, one of his main villains was named uh, Dr. Rodel Machino, who's also known as the Voodoo Master. And uh, he was in three stories. At the end of the second story, he... um, he supposedly is killed in a fire. How racist was this character? That's I, I, I don't the know. Voodoo <laughs> the voodoo master. In the 1930s? This is not good, bro. It's not sounding good, man. <laughs> well, I, I haven't read those stories. I have a copy of it. I just haven't Sounds read Sounds like it. it falls under the category product of, of its, its time. time. Yes, exactly. Yes. Some sensitive <laughs> language was used. But anyway, the voodoo master gets taken out in a fire, but then he gets, because of popular demand, he gets brought back and he's all disfigured and shit okay. later on. This is important because in 1939, they introduced in in the Batman stories, Dr. Carl Helfern. He's a white dude. Uh, Dr. Carl Helfern, Dr. Death, who gets taken out of a, by a fire in his first story, but then comes okay. back in the next one all disfigured and shit. And okay. Dr. Death was the first Batman villain to cross over into a second story. Ooh. Oh, shit. Okay. So, oh, so every villain was a throwaway at the time. Yeah. Pretty beforehand, much. not they even didn't think about. There were only just a few issues beforehand, anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, so the first ten years of Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Good <Universe>. one, man. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just... <laughs> but yeah, you beforehand, Marvel, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cinema. <laughs> so that was the that was the beginning of these supervillains, and they would get more outlandish. So later on, there was Monstradamus, who was a man who was supposedly oh. immortal. You could Sounds supposedly incredible. live forever. Um, Monster Domus. And there's another character along the similar ni- lines named Shiwan Khan. He was the last descendant. Doesn't sound good, bro. <laughs> he was the last descendant of Genghis good, Khan. He actually, he was an Asian guy in robes. He had many followers and apparently had the ability to resurrect the dead. Okay, sounds better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as we can see, like, there might not have been a direct influence on Ra's al Ghul, but there is enough there that you can kind of see the connections. Uh, later on, the Shadow would fight in 1938 a crime lord with one face that didn't match the other named The Face. What? Again, this is 1938 before Batman even existed. 
January. This is, this is oh my god. January. I'm not. I'm not even finished. <laughs> oh my god. Way go. more. He drove the shadow mobile. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a sleek car, but it was never called the shadow mobile. A butler named Palfred. <laughs> no, it was Pal- Richards. Remember, it was Richards. Oh yeah, he, he did have a butler though. <laughs> Uh, January 1941, the shadow battled, quote-unquote, the Green Terror, a criminal who used a fear ray to induce your, you know, greatest fears and everything. Uh, Later on that autumn was when the Scarecrow was introduced for Batman. Wow. Uh, And he did not have a fear ray at all yet. Scarecrow didn't have anything yet. He had a fear spear. (laughs) No, he had a gun. (laughs) He had a gun. (laughs) Um, Strikes fear in the most So then, of course, yeah. And then, of course, we go into the Joker, probably the ones you guys were waiting for after I uh, show that clip. Before the break. Yeah, so the clip was from an episode called The Laughing Corpse from 1940, less than two months before the Joker showed up. Great name. Almost as good as Seduction of the Innocent. Yeah, The Laughing Corpse. Yeah. Two months before Joker arrives in the comics. Okay. So we don't know how much of an influence it is or it isn't. But uh, it's written by a man named Sidney Sloan. And again, it's a man who kills people with a serum that causes them to laugh to death before they, you know, and they end up dying with a smile on their face. Love it. Okay. So yeah, that's where that comes from. A year earlier. What do you think was the intended demographic at this time? Was It, it wasn't quite kids, right? It not was really. Young adults? I mean, it was, yeah, young adults are just probably young adults because the idea was to tell people, like, don't be a criminal or the shadow will come and get you. Okay. The shadow was like the boogeyman who would come in and like twelve to fifteen, you. probably. Yeah, that type of that type yeah. of thing. So it, it appealed to that demographic, and you know their parents too, and adults alike, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there was no television at the time. Right. So this is the best that you get in terms of entertainment outside of just reading. It's wild to think of those times. Yeah. Like they don't they don't like right. completely inundate themselves with media every day, all no. day. Like because they don't have access to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So where does this guy come from? So this is from a story The called, Circus. Yeah. Called Death's Harlequin from nineteen thirty nine. Again, a year before uh Joker debuted and around the same time as Batman de- Batman's debut. And it's actually by it says Maxwell Grant, but that was the pseudonym that they all used when they oh, wrote the, really? the Shadow. But uh the writer of this one was once again Theodore Tinsley, the guy who wrote Partners of Peril, which became the first Batman story. So he writes this one, and the character's name is number one. And he's, yeah, it's not as good as the Joker, uh, but he's a homicidal clown that uh, the Shadow has to fight. Uh, it was not the first time either that Theodore Tinsley would write a clown villain. It's like how soon after clowns were invented that they were like, <laughs> Let's scary turn clowns. Them, yeah. yeah, I know, right? They must be evil. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, uh, not, not later on, Theodore Tinsley had previously done a killer clown type character in a story called The Grim Joker in 1937, two years before Batman. It was not for The Shadow, though. It was for a pulp called The Whisperer. Okay. Now, this is important because we're now going to get into the influence of other pulp characters, which include The Whisperer. The Whisperer was yet another vigilante inspired by The Shadow. Uh, He was called that because of the metal plates that would be inserted into his face. Okay. And he wouldn't be able to talk much more than a whisper. But his true identity was the name Commissioner James W. Gordon. Oh, God. This was in 1936. If you ever wondered what W stands for in James W. Gordon? Uh, Walt Whitman. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> he was originally called James Wildcat Gordon and Wildcat? Slash the Whisperer. So the W supposedly stands for Wildcat, but you could also say it stands for Whisperer. 
because they both stand with they both wow. start with W. But that's, that's always been a part of canon. But they never really fucking... talked about where the W comes from. Because they com- never address it, huh? Commissioner Gordon comes from a pulp character from 1936, oh, right, right, created right, right. by let's yeah. see Henry Walston, John Nanovic, and Lawrence Donovan. So these three guys came up with Commissioner Gordon. Excuse me. Before Commissioner Gordon even fucking showed up yeah. in the thing, and they he, weren't even high, they could have had a cop with a different name, but they just chose the same exact <laughs> name. Bill Finger was just like, eh, it's close enough. Yeah. The same thing with the Lanes and the Kents and the Clarks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, maybe names. There just wasn't a whole lot of them back then. <laughs> There's not a lot of names. There's more names now. Yeah, Let's like see. Javier. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't sound right in 1930. I don't know why. <laughs> so let's see. We have, let's see, we got other characters go, coming up. Uh, so I already talked about Scarlet Pimpernel. That was 1905. Uh, 19, ooh, yeah, 19, I have 1910 here, but I'm pretty sure it was 1919, was Zorro. Uh, again, figure in black. He has the servant. He has the cave of Grandfather Clock entrance. And they even referenced this when in the 90s Zorro uh, TV series they brought in Adam West to play a character oh, named cool. Dr. Henry Wayne and he's supposed to be an ancestor of Bruce and he oh, gets that's cool yeah he gets taken to see Zorro's like cave that's at cool. one point so that's cool uh, let's see other characters in the comics the Waynes the early Waynes in Gotham are fucking around with Jonah Hex right like there's some sort of they could have been yeah. er- that whole comic series is early yeah. Gotham yeah they could have been Wild West Gotham it makes sense so he could have met uh, Zorro and Jonah Hex at around the same time. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. In 1933, there was a character named the Phantom Detective, also a rich dude, also a master of disguise, also has a secret crime lab, but the biggest thing that the Phantom Detective has in common with uh, other people that we know is that uh, he was summoned by a flashing red light atop of a tower. <laughs> which is the precursor to the bat signal. Oh my God, uh, and he dude. also fought good, He man. also fought a killer clown in 1936. I respected Bill Finger so much before this, man. Why you ruin it for me, dude? Athena Finger's never going to come back on the show. I'm just, gonna, I'm just telling you the facts here. I know, okay? I know. I'm fucking All right. around. Phantom Detective also fought a killer clown in 1936, even before Theodore Tinsley's The Grim Joker and The Whisperer uh, in a tale called The Circus Murderers. Uh, Circus Murderers. Also, 1933 was Doc Savage. We've talked about how he was an influence on Superman, but you could also say that he was an influence on Batman because he often wore a yellow gadget belt that had knockout oh, gas really? and everything. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, also, in 1937, a writer named C.K.M. Scanlon was writing about uh, a disgraced... Uh, he's either a reporter or a private detective. I couldn't nail down the thing, but his name is Dawson Clade, and at one point he wants to take revenge, but he okay. doesn't know how. So the direct... Uh, quotation from this says, quote, just what the character, he's thinking, I gotta have a disguise, right? Okay. So just what the character would be that he intended to assume was still vague in his mind. He only knew that it would have to be some nebulous creature of the night that lurked in the shadows. He glanced at the oil lamp burning on a table. Then he swung around, suddenly tense. In the shadows above his head came a slithering, flapping sort of sound. As the creature hovered above the lamp for an instant, it cast a huge shadow on the cabin wall. That's it, exclaimed Clade aloud. I'll call myself the Bat. So, what? yes, in 1934, <laughs> C.K.M. Scanlon writes the bat flying in through the window, inspiring this guy to take on the persona of a bat. Okay, I gotta ask now. I know I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Yeah. But is there a single fucking thing <laughs> that is actually purely bat? It's the parents getting <laughs> shot? Is that it? It's the parents getting shot. That is completely original. That is Bill Finger. Okay. Uh, I can't find any incident of... This type of that that type of origin in any other of these pulp characters. Okay. The shadow literally is just he came back from the war and decided to fight corruption. 
Okay. The shadow is doesn't really feel the human. The war 1930s, so World War One. World War One, yeah. Okay. So the shadow kind of doesn't feel like a human being in these characters, okay. in, in, in these stories, at least in the pulps. Uh, it's in, like a in, force of nature. Yeah, he's, he's the force of He's like, yeah. he would be a good opponent to the Heath Ledger Joker. He would be, oh, those yeah, are the two be, forces of nature. Because cool. cool. this guy is totally like, you He's you don't know where he is. You don't know what, how much he knows, but the shadow always it's knows. It's kind of like a maniac, maybe yeah. a PTSD kind of thing. It's probably a maniac, yeah. PTSD. Yeah, like the first few, the first shadow story, and a lot of the shadow stories were told from the perspective of his agents, because those were okay. the human beings. Okay. In the first shadow story, he saves a man from killing himself, from jumping off a bridge. Okay. Um, And the shadow tells him, your life is mine now. And what? you will do what I tell you to do. And he basically, he, the idea was the shadow was a villain uh, who's actually a hero. He operates okay. like a villain, but is really on our He's side. He's an anti-hero. Pretty much, just like sense. Batman, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Uh, so this was the first instance of that. But there was no parents getting murdered or anything like that. The, the idea of those motivations, those human motivations weren't there yet. It was just like, let's come up with guys who like want to fight crime. Okay. Uh, one of those guys was also the Black Bat who also showed up in 1939, uh, created by Norman A. Daniels. Black Bat was a DA named Tony Quinn, and DA Quinn uh, was attacked by acid that left him scarred, if this sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> man, dude. This also... Uh, dude, man. Left him, <laughs> left him temporary, this left him somewhat blind. So he was a blind lawyer fighting crime as well. Okay. Crossover over into Marvel stuff. Uh this is around the same time that Batman comes out, and both of these characters have the black cape, the right. bat name. Uh, but the black bat was the first one who had the um, the spikes coming out of the gauntlets. Okay. So Bill Finger said, quote, they were ready to sue us, and we were ready to sue them. It was just one of those weird coincidences, which maybe explains... It could happen. It could have been a coincidence. Yeah. It doesn't really explain any of the shadow stuff. That's true. Or the fact that they didn't see that doesn't seem to bother them when they came up with the Two Face Origin later on. Right, right, right. There's some like invisible influencer who's going back and forth. Some <laughs> copywriting intern right. who's going right. back. Maybe you should right. put a little of this. Maybe you should put a little of that. And his name was Bob Kane. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's great, Bobby. Clearly, Bob Kane profited the most. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all of this. Um, let's go a little bit into the Shadow adaptations, because okay. there have been several. There was a movie serial. There are a few movies in the past. Uh, at one point, Sam Raimi wanted to do a Shadow I've heard uh, of movie. that, yeah. Uh, and he wanted, he'd, he'd kill that shit. That'd be amazing. He wanted to do it as far back as the 90s. Okay, and legend yeah. has it that he couldn't get the rights to it. It's probably a mess. Yeah, yeah. So he was just like, all right, I'll just create my own. And that's how he created Darkman. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you think about it, Darkman also has, like, the black cloak and the slouched hat and everything. Yeah. It's elements of the shadow. Right. Uh, there's also uh, implications in the pulp series of the shadow that say that maybe he's actually disfigured underneath. That when he's Ken oh, Allard, yeah. he's actually still putting on makeup because the real shadow's face is all They never show shit. his face in those? They don't really show. Like, even when he's they even when he's unmasked as Ken Allard, it's kind of ambiguous whether or not he actually is Ken Allard. It's kind of what he's he's a mysterious origin. Okay. Much like, you know, everybody likes to say of the Joker. Okay. So, um the most famous adaptation of course hands down is the 1994 movie starring Alec Baldwin. Yeah, for sure. Um have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah, because you, I, I, I know actually you about also figures. I know this is yeah. a shock, but I have seen it. <laughs> you have seen this. I rented okay. this on VHS when I was like when it probably came out. How much so, do you remember of it? Not a whole lot, but okay. I remember seeing it. All right, Ian McKellen's narration right at the beginning. That's about it. Or the he end. He doesn't narrate. 
Or he's talking at some point. He is talking at one point. It's the only <laughs> it's the only movie I've found where it Ian McKellen like Yeah, Ian McKellen is an American. Okay. Yeah, right, right. Um so let me recap this movie <laughs> for all of you guys because this is interesting. It begins in, you know, Asia where we introduce Shocker, our uh main character right now. He's supposed to be a superhero, but right now he's yeah. a criminal. Um, and this criminal ends up at this monastery. He has to go up this mountain to the monastery, and he enters the monastery. And at the end of the of the room is this bald Asian man, okay. who is responsible for you know setting him on the path and is training this played him. Played by David Carradine. No, he's actually an Asian dude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> in this one, shocker, I know, nineteen ninety four. Wow. And this bald Asian man is telling him, you know, he has to undergo this training, and he gets his ass kicked in front of it. And we right. flash forward to apparently he's been gone for exactly seven years disappeared some people have mostly you know declared him dead at this point but he has come back pretending to be a billionaire playboy who doesn't care about anything but uh, is actually uh the shadow and the villain of this is of course uh shuan khan who uh, okay. again is the asian dude in robes uh claims to be you know related to genghis khan claims to live forever and everything like that and uh he's not the guy who trained the shadow in this one but he is of he was the same he had the same mentor who was okay. also another student, so that's slightly different. But he's still, you know, a dude who's bearded, wears black, has henchmen dressed in Asian armor with swords. Um, oh, God. And yes. uh, he does not have the ability to bring people back from the dead in this version because I guess they wanted to keep it realistic. Um, but uh, he does team up with an American mad scientist type. Okay. So those are the two villains, and that's played by Tim Curry, who's playing okay. an American mad scientist. Uh, so this- we actually got this role. Yeah, he actually did get this. Wasn't stolen from the best him. that he got was is the Doctor Farley Claymore in the Shadows, oh, <laughs> the Shadow man. movie. Um, but uh, the Shadow does get overconfident at one point and confronts him, and Tim Curry's character sort of overcomes him, and the Shadow has to call for help. And he's like, "Alfred, help me!" No, wait, that's the wrong one. Uh, he has to <laughs> he has to ask Margo Lane for help, <laughs> uh, and they're working together to create this Doomsday device against the city. So. Okay. It's very similar to a certain Batman origin movie that uh, we're going to review at some point. Um, but <laughs> Whatever could it be? Uh, well, maybe it's the one where this song comes from, because I'm going to play this snippet from Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard's oh, score, shit. except now there's an ad. Hold on a second. Uh, but uh, it has a great... <laughs> the Shadow has a great score by uh, Jerry Goldsmith, but uh, some say that it may have been influential on Batman. So here's... The Batman Begins one. Right. Okay, so you might be familiar with that. Here is the shadow theme, if I hopefully don't get an ad on this one. This is so similar. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, uh, also, it's been noted that uh, David Goyer in the 1990s was trying to write a screenplay for Doctor Strange and he said he wanted to follow the origin of the comics where he's also another rich dude who gets redeemed when he goes to Tibet but he couldn't write it because the shadow just came out and they did the same exact thing okay cut to 2003 or 4 when he was writing it and guess what he does for Batman Begins right so um, also the shadow is in the end credits had the song Original Sin by Jim Steinman which if you saw our Batman musical episode was uh, the composer who went on to do the Batman musical so these are all the connections to uh, Batman and the Shadow. Uh, there have been several crossovers or times where the Shadow has crossed over. Uh, we have William Gibson, the guy who created the Shadow. He thought that Batman was quote unquote a clowned up version of the. Sh- no, sorry, Batman was a clowned up version of the Shadow. 
Um, oh my god! And, but he seemed to be willing to write a Batman story in uh, Detective Comics number five hundred. Uh, however, he did admit that uh, he basically wrote a shadow story and replaced uh, Lamont Cranston with Bruce Wayne, and then Commissioner Weston with uh, Commissioner Gordon. All oh, right. Um, and then Denny O'Neill, I think, was one of the first writers to recognize the fact: hey, there's a lot from the fucking shadow that's in Batman so in Batman number 253 <laughs> hopefully he wasn't the first <laughs> that, well other than the guys who actually cribbed it but right. uh, yeah Batman goes on a counterfeit case but the shadow is on the same case so this is the first crossover between the two characters and he sort of provides this unseen assistance until the end where they finally meet up uh, and the shadow says you know I've wanted to see if you deserve the reputation and you lived up to it and Batman says you know I don't tell many people about this but you were my biggest inspiration Oh wow. So that moment gets to be portrayed. And the shadow of course like inspiration, you fucking ripped me off. <laughs> uh Batman two hundred fifty nine has another interesting backstory to it where it says Thomas Wayne and young Bruce were caught uh when they were out in between the shadow versus a bunch of other criminals. But the shadow saved Thomas and Bruce at that point. Okay. And he's like, Stand point, the danger has passed and uh he basically showed Bruce how to, you know, fight back against criminals before right. the death of his parents. So it's no right. wonder that Bruce became Batman later on because he saw that that was the main way to fight that. Um, so later, that same criminal who the Shadow defeated years ago comes back, wants revenge. The Shadow tries to give a gun to Batman okay. to defeat them because that, remember, that's one of the big differences between Shadow and Batman is the Shadow uses guns. Uh, but the Batman rejects the gun and the Shadow later hints that he knows that Batman is the boy that he saved years ago. Okay. And of course, how does he know? Because... The Shadow Knows. Uh, <laughs> the Shadow Knows. There have been also little hints throughout different stories that the Shadow trained Batman. That's cool. Which I personally have adopted into my own, like, headcanon or whatever. Headcanon. Uh, that's what they call it on, on the net, the kids these days. Uh, Michael Uslan wrote an Elseworlds story called Detective 27 where Alfred sends Bruce off to um, Thomas Wayne's old war buddy who could teach him how to quote unquote cloud men's minds which is exactly the, the way it was phrased in the radio series. That's cool. Um, Denny <laughs> O'Neill. Seduces him wearing a tight blue dress. Seduces the <laughs> seduction of those long cigarettes. <laughs> Um, Dennis O'Neill's novel Helltown has Batman talking to Alfred and uh, Alfred you know he wants help and Alfred's like how about that fellow who advised you the one with a laugh reference to the shadow right and uh, Batman says Alfred he's 95 and besides he's a bit too bloodthirsty for me so it's a clear <laughs> reference to the shadow um, a more recent update has been a story written by Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando called Batman slash shadow oh yeah very crossover creative. yeah and uh, it has the idea that the shadow has been secretly was basically almost all of Bruce Wayne's mentors. He okay. just took on different disguises because you remember he's a master of disguise. So that includes Henri Ducard, which is the persona that Ra's al Ghul took in Batman Begins. Right. In this version in the comics, Ducard is actually the alias for the shadow. Okay. Um, and they don't necessarily like each other too much. Bruce kind of doesn't really believe that that was his old teacher. Right. Um, but there's a lot of respect there. Right. Uh, and you know it's it ties into what you were talking about your pitch for the whole whiplash like Batman training movie. Oh uh, yes, yes, my Shaolin monk sh whiplash. Yeah. So maybe the shadow was yeah. the Shaolin monk just with yellow face. I don't know, but we'll <laughs> oh see. Oh my god. Uh, let's see. There's a there's a great moment in Batman slash Shadow where uh, the Joker's laughing and then they yeah. hear another laugh, and the Joker's like, "Oh, that's not me." 
as the oh, shadow shit. who comes in. So that's cool. So the shadow's known for his laugh. Yeah, yeah. As uh, much as the Joker is almost. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's almost like a mocking laugh, yeah. uh, mocking the criminals. Uh, and then there was a sequel by Steve Orlando called Shadow Slash Batman where Ra's al Ghul teams up with Shuan Khan because why not? Um, and okay. they're both uh, heads of these organizations and claim to have been living forever. That's my hat. He's like, no, that's my hat. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing my robe again. <laughs> Let's get his scarf and his ascot. Yes. So uh, Bruce makes a claim that uh, at one point the shadow goes in disguise, and Bruce just claims that's my uncle from my mother's side. Okay. Again, he's another uncle from his mother's side, right. as we talked about in the Batwoman episode. Um, but what's cool is that there's an acknowledgement from Ra's al Ghul that these are three generations of crime fighters because Damien's in this. Okay. So it's the Shadow, then Bruce Wayne, Batman, and Damien Wayne's Robin. Okay. And he calls it three generations. And what's kind of cool is the story is less of an arc for Batman and more of an arc of the Shadow almost becoming more human in a way through his right. interactions with Bruce. It's like he taught Bruce all these things that he would know because he had in mind to turn Bruce into his successor. Okay. And Bruce has instead perfected and has become more of a hero than he ever would have been. Okay. And he almost learns from Bruce how to be that hero, okay. how to achieve that redemption. Um, the idea that the movie came up with that this comic adopted was the idea that he was actually a bloodthirsty criminal at one point, and he becomes the shadow to punish others, but also to redeem himself yeah, because yeah, of how yeah, much right, he hates himself. Right, right. He knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men because that used to be in his heart. Okay. So he feels like his soul has always been tainted. Whereas okay. Bruce's will always be pure because Bruce refuses to kill. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, the Shadows has always, he's destined to do this forever. Shadow just straight up kills yeah, his villains. So, uh, <laughs> this pretty much is all the big stuff. But just to recap, uh, Bob Kane came up with everything for Batman except for uh, the millionaire playboy persona, the Bat costume, him being a detective, a master of disguise, the Dark Knight nickname, the Batwing, the Batarang, the Butler, the police commissioner connection, training all over the world, super villains, a killer clown, a serum that makes people laugh themselves to death, the name Joker, James Gordon's name, <laughs> the Batcave. The grandfather clock entrance to the Batcave, the Bat signal, the Bat flying through the window, the sharp fins on the gauntlets, Two-Face, Scarecrow's fairy gas, giant typewriters, Rosal Ghoul's Lazarus Pit, and the first Batman story. But it was all you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then Bill Finger came up with everything, but all that was actually the shadow. Well, he came up with the origin of the Waynes. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Waynes getting killed, and I think that's what has partially made Batman last longer than the Shadow. Is yeah. There's no human connection to the Shadow. It's too dark after a certain point for most... For, yeah, like, you especially can't, that kid audience that's buying comics at that time. Yeah, you can't relate to this guy who yeah. is basically... Like he also has some sort of superpowers, but it's like supernatural given. But there, like there was not some that change right at this time. I think I don't know for sure because I wasn't there. But yeah, you have these pulp comics like the Shadow and and uh, Man of Bronze. Uh, what's his name? Doc Savage. Doc Savage. Yeah. And somehow that switches. I guess in the early '40s, late '40s, I think to actual comic books that we know of them today. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you, it's it's there was some transition from pulp. To superhero comic. And Batman and Superman were right at the precipice of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there, ground zero. And, of course, that's where they could take those things. Uh, Batman way more than Superman, it seems. And when you switch from pulp to comic book, yeah. you went from slightly darker or a lot darker adult shit to basically kids' books just about, yes. especially at that time. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting to see that transition happen. Exactly. So, that was... 
you know, pulps died out, but comics are still here. There's no pulps yeah, anymore. Right. So right. the the new shadow stories are all comics. There's no right new shadow pulps unless somebody's writing new novels about it. Right. Uh, other than that, uh, but yeah, the I'd say the death of the Waynes and how psychologically that leads into the no kill rule that I know uh, we credited to Whitney Ellsworth, but that's something unique to Batman. Right. And the fact that he trains, he doesn't have agents like the shadow does, okay. but he has people who learn from him and learn to have a better life to cope with tragedy. And okay. I think that human element is what separates Batman from the shadow. That's why Batman has outlasted the shadow. That's why okay. I'm, that's why I'm the man who knows too much about Batman, not the man who knows too much about the shadow because <laughs> partially because Batman's more popular, but also because like at the end of the day, if I have a choice between Batman and the shadow, I'll still pick Batman. Right. Which is my favorite superhero or in terms of what story to follow. Right. Um, right. I'll wrap it up with this. Anthony Tolland, the guy who responsible for these reprints, said, quote, The Shadow was a master of the art of disguise. Perhaps his greatest masquerade was transforming himself into Batman, and in that disguise, continuing his reign as the world's greatest detective superhero into the 21st century. Nice. That's great, man. Yeah. Beautiful. So what do you guys think of all this new information, or old information, technically? Go ahead, Wolfie. I thought it was pretty great. Can you get any closer? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really pretty good. A lot of information. I didn't know too much about The Shadow other than really the action figures I had as a kid. I remember seeing the movie in the theaters. I can't believe that movie had action figures. Yeah, they were awesome. There were some really good ones. Dual wielding, like snap out of the cape with guns and stuff. Um, But yeah, it was amazing. And seeing these connections um, raises a lot of questions about how these... (laughs) These properties are how closely together the, the writing seems to... And it's before Dick Tracy, too? Dick Tracy was around the same time. They, If Batman crypt anything from Dick Tracy, it was uh, just the idea of more supervillain type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Figured villains. A, a rogues gallery in general, right? Yeah, there was yeah. like the character The Blank, who had like no face. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then there was also a character in the early Batman comics who had no face. Okay. Like, stuff like that. Right. Uh, but it wasn't as big of an influence. Like, Shadow is still... You know, the the idea that's presented in that Batman and Shadow comic is that Thomas Wayne might have been Bruce Wayne's father, but the Shadow okay. is pretty much Batman's father. Both in real life and in the fact that he trained him. I like what you said at the end, but yeah, it's a little bit like, man, you know, especially after seeing Batman and Bill, you're so <laughs> on board for Bill Finger. But like these ideas don't pop out of nowhere at the same time, but it's just like it's almost overwhelming how much they got from the shadow right but uh <laughs> but you are right the shadow is just it's it's like they just perfected the formula they find they right bill finger found that final tweak yeah that made it last for what 80 years now yeah exactly so it's but yeah it was a tweak from pre-existing Something stuff that had previously yeah yeah so yeah. you know Walter Gibson, I'll give props to Walter Gibson and Theodore Tinsley for what they created and say yeah. that they were kind of the, the grandfathers of, of Batman in yeah. a way for, for, for all sure, this. Man. But I think the best compromise is what's in those comics of saying like the Shadow trained Batman, uh, Batman perfected all of that. The Shadow right. is part of Batman's life and kind of has his own adventures himself type of thing. And you can acknowledge that. I've always kind of also wanted to have a Batman Shadow story of potentially either Ra's al Ghul or some force that's responsible for right. these like repeat MOs of the, the villains where we're just right. like wait 
you had a guy killing off other people in your corporation, and I had a guy killing off people in a right. corporation, and you had a fear gas guy, and I had a fear gas guy. Like, what the hell's going on? And it's right. like all masterminded by someone else to sort of explain the plagiarism <laughs> that was going on. And they probably didn't care that much at that time either. They might, no. you know what I mean? Like, it was just, they were just trying to pump out bullshit for kids yeah. every, every month. And No, you, you, you don't know. see, if in Bill Finger's shoes, and in his defense, after I've just completely exposed everything here, in his defense... He's like a 20-something kid who's just happy that something that he writes is going to get in. He doesn't know how popular it's going to be. He doesn't know people yeah, are going to be yeah. looking through it. Sure, it's not original, and he should have probably not just outright crib Theodore Tinsley's story. Right. But, like, you know, he's got to make ends meet, and he's probably cranking out this stuff. Like, he, yeah. he had other stuff other than just Batman. And they, but Batman, no, Batman came about because they wanted to have an additional comic to Superman too. Right, yeah. Superman's selling like hotcakes. Yeah. Like, we got to fucking add on to this fucking money train. So, yeah. So, I guess it was just like, hey, think of something. Think of something. They're just like, okay, we got it. Yeah. We got the idea. Bob yeah. and Bob and Bill, who, you know, we we're going to forget about Bill for a while, well, but it's coming back. <laughs> trust me. Bill's going to come back in the, yeah. in, in the, in the world, but yeah. that, that's kind of how it came about. So, like, I understand why it happened. It probably wouldn't fly today at all. But no, for no, not time, at all, bro. You know, Bob Kane got away. I still say Bob Kane got away with murder on all of Bill Finger's work because Bill Finger still came up with the idea of trying to reformat those things for right. what they had. And it just goes to show how little Bob actually had in terms of input when it's all this almost, stuff was going almost up. nothing, dude. Yeah. Just the name Batman. And even then you had like the bat who's that dude who saw the, the bat flying in through the window or the black yeah. bat dude. And you're like, yeah. even that's not super fucking original. Right. So, right. Oh, well. Batman's not an original character. Sorry to shatter your childhoods. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week as we shatter everybody else. <laughs> but uh, that that is uh, Batman and the Shadow. So uh, glad I got to share that with you guys and with you guys. Thanks, man. That yep. was uh, <laughs> that was pretty heart-wrenching. <laughs> but uh, I'm, it's good to know, though. It's yeah. like in music when you have... Um, you know, like early blues musicians and how that later goes oh, on yeah. into like rock and yeah. roll and Jimi Hendrix and stuff yeah. and how at the time certain things seem innovative, but then now like later on in the future, they're just like run of the mill for that type of guitar player or that type oh, of yeah, whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. It kind of seems like that. Yep. Similar. Yep. It's true. <laughs> so, uh, I am, uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, so that is super house pod. Uh, and, uh, I am Ben Juan writer on Instagram. Uh, you want to bring up the shout-outs? Yeah, so please join the Shasta Army on Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Superhouse Podcast. And I uh, want to shout-out to Alicia and Kuki Noms once again. And uh, we have a dollar tier on, on Patreon, by the way. That gets you a shout-out on the episode. And uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. And check out superhousepod.com. Email us at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Or slip into our DMs on Instagram. And I think that's it for me. This Wolfie, my computer crashed before recording. (laughs) Send help. (laughs) Signing off. Signing off.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network.